All right, Redeemer uh, family, if you got your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to Psalm 103. Pull out your iPad, your phone, uh, and let's get in God's Word together. Psalm 103. I will say at the beginning that, that some of the promises and the comfort that this psalm gives us, it is for a particular person. You'll notice over and over again that the psalmist says, those who fear you, those who fear you, or he uses language from us. And I think what the psalmist is doing is he's saying that these promises, these blessings, that they, they aren't general. They don't go to everybody. That these are, are blessings that go to God's people. Uh, neither will you understand the call to bless the Lord or to make him famous or to praise him if you're not his people, right? So, so I want to be careful on the front end to say that, but I do want to offer you uh, this beautiful Savior, that what this psalm is going to do is to stretch out God's character and to put it on display to be a comfort for believers. And if you're not a believer, may this psalm help you to reimagine who God is. This is God's word. It's the psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, uh, you've revealed yourself in your word, and it is alive, inspired, inerrant, infallible. How can we keep our way pure? How do we know right from wrong? It's by hiding your word in our hearts. 
And so would you open our eyes? Would you give your servant understanding, give your people insight, and be careful to give Jesus the praise? We love you. Amen. So um, I struggle with what I've named cascading, right? And here's what I mean. There are times when I'm driving or if I'm in my office or if I'm taking a walk where there's nothing to do around me and my mind begins to race. And I begin to get sad and I begin to remember sins committed. I begin to feel powerless over life and over things out there. Uh, Recently, I was going to my parents' house and I drove past Callaway High School, which is on Beasley Road. And I hadn't thought about this memory in years, but my mom used, and dad used to work night shift and um, they told me not to drive. And I stole the car while they were asleep. And I wrecked the car in front of Callaway High School. And I totaled my friend's car, a guy named Patrick Bridgman. And he later thanked me for totaling his Cavalier, but it was wrong. Like, I was a thief. I was a disobedient child. And just driving past that school brought this memory of this thing that I had done in the past. And all of a sudden, I don't have joy. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, man, there is so much stuff in my past that Paul says in Romans chapter 6, things that you're ashamed of. And and, and if, if God is this big, colossal God who sees all things, knows all things, then I got a reckoning day with him. And all of a sudden in that moment, I'm fearful. A few weeks ago, we were in California driving down Highway 1. It's some of the most beautiful scenes I've seen in my life. The ocean on my right and mountains on my left and cypress and redwood trees in the front. And you know, I couldn't enjoy it. I'm with people I love in a place that was beautiful. And where my mind went was what if that driver over there on this two lane road is not paying attention and hits me and me and my kids and my wife go off the side and we go into the ocean, right? And all of a sudden I'm transported right there where I should be praising and blessing his name. I'm sitting here holding the wheel twice, going 30 miles an hour, getting blown at, and I'm not able to worship and enjoy and bless his name, right? This is just like the surface. If I'm not careful, I will forget the benefits of the Lord. If I'm not careful, my mind and my soul will go into places where I live in fear and terror and anxiety. And so when you read Psalm 103, what David starts to do is do cascading in another direction. He isn't going from what is wrong and what is dark and what is evil. He's cascading from who God is and all that God is and all that God has done. And and it makes it hard for me when I'm in those moments to bless him to remember his goodness. And then Psalm 103 comes as a reminder, as a call, as a command, as an invitation to bless him, to remember him, 
to forget him not. He is better than you think, more powerful than you can imagine, more patient than you can ever hope for, more forgiving than you can even put into words. He is a good and gracious God. And I need to remember that when my mind races elsewhere. And so what I want to do this morning is work through this text. Here's what I, the first thing I want you to see. There is a call to bless the Lord. There's a call to bless the Lord. Now, this is poetry. And, and in Hebrew poetry, there are numerous things that the poets can do to, to draw us into something. For example, David uses something that we call bracketing or inclusio. And what that does is, is that drives home the, the force of the psalm. And so notice how the psalm begins. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And notice how the psalm ends. Verse 20 through 22. Bless the Lord, you his angels. Bless the Lord, you his hosts. Bless the Lord, you his works. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So what the psalm is about, David is telling you. It's telling you about the God who is worthy of praise and blessing. And it's blessing for an individual like David writing the psalm. He's commanding the angels and the archangels who stand behind the, around the throne right now to bless the Lord. He commands the host, the army of the Lord, go bless the Lord and not one of you fall out of line. He commands the works of the Lord to bless the Lord. What are the works of the Lord? Go read Psalm 104. The Leviathan that the Lord plays with, the seed that knows its boundaries, the, the rock badger that the Lord feeds, the elephant that he clothes, the streams that flow from mountains, all of that is the works of the Lord. And what David is saying, from an individual to the, the, the angels and archangels, so the, 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 the beings we can't see, to sounds we can't hear, and trees that fall right now, all of you bless the Lord. It's inclusio. There's repetition. Notice his use of all. He says, all that is within me. Forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquity. Who will heal all of your disease. His kingdom rules over all. All you host. All his works. You see what David is doing? He's using repetition. Steadfast love is repeated he crowns us with it in verse 4. He's slow to anger, but abounding in it in verse 8. It is great in verse 11. It is eternal in verse 17. Repetition. There's vivid imagery and metaphor. It says the Lord is slow to anger. If you had your Hebrew Bibles, it would literally read the Lord has a long nose. What do you mean you're long-nosed? You're big nostriled. What does that mean? It doesn't mean the Lord has a big nose, literally. It's an idiom. Maybe from horses who grunt, war horses who grunt out of their nose before they go into battle, and they're just ready to be summoned to go into battle. And what David says, the Lord, you're not like that. Your nose is long. You have a long fuse, right? David pulls this imagery out to describe God. Consider trying to separate something as far as, as the east is from the west. In the Hebrew mindset, before the world was circular, in their mind, these two roads never, never meet. 
Look at the heights. In terms of what God will do with our sin, look at the heaven and the earth, right? Look at verse 11. As, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. Y'all, do not read 20, our century into this passage. We, got, we live in a time where a billionaire can take people in a pod and go into the, into the solar system, right? This would have never crossed David's mind that humans from the earth can get into a pod and go into the heavens. And so for the Hebrew, right, if you're on the earth, you're on the earth. There is no way you're going up there. And so he's reaching for all of these images to say, Lord, your steadfast love is eternally thick. He also does what I would call stacking. Take your Bibles in your own time and Underline all the verbs that denote what God is or what he does. It says that the Lord forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns, he satisfies, he renews, he works, he reveals, he's merciful, he's gracious, he doesn't discipline us too long or too heavy, he doesn't deal with us according to our sins, he doesn't repay us, he removes, he's the great stain lifter of sin, he shows compassion, he knows our frame, he remembers that we're dust. What David is doing is stacking all of these things to paint a picture picture of God. And because God is all of this, he says, you better bow the knee. The right way to respond to this kind of God is to give him praise. It's to give him honor. It's to bless his name. Do you bless him? Always. Good times, bad times, hard times. Do you bless him? I have a suspicion that if we're honest, we don't always render to the king what the king is worthy of receiving. Which moves us into the second point. There's a challenge here. There's a challenge, right? Like God is the king of heaven. He's put death in checkmate through the atoning work of Jesus. He is serenaded by angels and archangels and the saints gone before us right now. He is holding all things together by the word of his power right now. He's breathed into us so that we are living beings right now. And yet, we don't always give him what he deserves. And you see that, right? This is the challenge of blessing the Lord. Verse 2b should catch us all off guard. If you look at this picture of God that David is painted, our temptation is to take an eraser or to gloss over this. 2b, right? He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's like having a CD and it's a scratch on your favorite song. It's like having vinyl and your vinyl been scratched. So when you play this song, this track, you get to this part and you don't want it there, but it's there. Some of y'all don't know what vinyl and CDs are because all you have is digital music. I'm with you. I kind of grew up in both eras, so I get it. But the point here is that this doesn't belong. David is worried a 
about forgetting. He's worried about not blessing him. You know, the Bible warns us 237 times to remember, to remember, to remember, to remember, to remember. It tells us things like, do not forget my son, my teaching. And so in the Bible, God knows that even though he is this and does this, that there is something at work in us that makes us forgetful. And when we forget his benefits, guess what we won't do? We won't bless his name. Now, why? Why is David praying that he won't forget? Here's my theory. My theory is this, that David, as a king of Israel, per Deuteronomy 17, would have had to take a copy of the law and write the copy of the law, the first five books of the Bible, and have the Levitical priests approve that copy. And per Deuteronomy 17, the king of Israel was supposed to keep his copy and read it every day, lest his heart be lifted up, Deuteronomy 17. Now here's what you discover when you read Deuteronomy 4 through 8. Hear these words, take care, keep your soul, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart, make them known to your children and your children's children. Take care lest you forget, Deuteronomy chapter six, take care lest you forget who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And so Deuteronomy 31 says that Moses wrote all the words of the book of the law beginning to the end and he gave it to the priests and they placed the copy of the law in the Ark of the Covenant. Now track with me. David is the king from Deuteronomy 17. And what David is supposed to be doing is reading God's law. And what I think is happening here, this verse hits different when David gets to it. He sees God over and over and over again in his Bible telling him, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't grow prideful. Don't go into despair. And so when David is pinning this psalm, I think the idea or the real possibility is back there that it is possible to benefit from the Lord and forget to bless his name. And so here's my second question is, what, according to the Bible, can move us to forget the benefits of, of God? On the one hand, we could say pride and prosperity. That's the thrust of the passage that Brian read. My translation of Deuteronomy 8 is this. When you make it into the land and your cattle are booming and you got commas in your bank account, don't you forget me. Don't you say you're self-made. Don't you forget to bow the knee, right? So I think the scriptures are warning us that pride and prosperity, when life is good, money is good, relationship is good, college is good, you get out and graduate and it's good, the Bible would say, man, be careful that you don't forget. 
But the Bible says the, the other side is also equally dangerous. Pain and poverty and powerlessness. This is what's behind Proverbs 30, where the, the author of Proverbs says, Lord, don't give me riches and don't give me poverty. If you give me riches, I may say, who is God? Who needs him? And if you make me poor, I might blaspheme your name and take matters into my own hand and I might rob and I might steal and I might kill. In other words, what Proverbs is saying is that poverty and prosperity can make us forget the benefits and the work of God. So here's my question of Psalm 103. Which one is it? What is David going through that's eclipsing or has the potential to eclipse his ability to praise. What is it? On the one hand, you could say he's king and they've conquered. But I don't think that's it. I think if you read the passage carefully, that everything David is worried about is things that he's powerless to fix. What can David do about his iniquity? Nothing but contribute more to it. What can David do about disease? Nothing. What can he do about the fear of the pit of death? Nothing. What can he do about the oppression in the land in verse 6? What can he do about his transgressions, verse 12? What can he do with the fact that he is humble in frame, that he is here today, he is strong, he is powerful, but brother man, you're made of the dust. You're going to die and you're going to be remembered no more. What can he do about be growing old and being forgotten in verse 15? What can he do about his children and his grandchildren? You see, I think the backdrop is actually things he's powerless to fix. And these things seem big, like death and like his sin and like disease. And his picture of God is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Y'all know what that feels like? Have you ever been haunted by your sin? when you remember who you were and how you thought and the things you've done. I have. Are we not afraid of a disease right now? It's taken life and we're forced to wear masks, social distance, you ever lost sleep over your children and their souls? Do you see oppression and injustice in our land and shake your head and wonder when will it end? You see, that's the backdrop. I think David is surveying his kingdom and he's strong, but brother, you can't fix none of this. And that's where my mind goes when it cascades. My powerlessness, pain, sin, and I start to forget 
who God is and how big he is. And so I think David is fighting to remember, which moves us into the third point. There's a fight. This is a fight to remember and to bless his name. And it's going to take two ancient disciplines, right? First, it, it, it's the internal. Look, y'all, something out of the gates ought to cause us pause when you read this psalm. Psalm 55 is written to the Lord. Psalm 134 is written to priests. There are psalms that are written to the general people of Israel, but this psalm is different. David begins by writing to himself, to his own soul. Did you catch that? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. If you and I saw David walking down the street saying, bless the Lord, David, Bless the Lord, David. Bless the Lord, David. Bless the Lord, David. We would want to institutionalize him because he's talking to himself. But here's the thing about ancient Hebrew culture. This was the norm and not the exception. Psalm 42, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Psalm 104, bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 146, praise the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 42 and 103 belong to David. Psalm 104 and 146 are unnamed. So here's what I think it means. David is not the only Israelite walking in Israel having a conversation with his self and with his own soul. Now, y'all talk to yourselves, and a lot of time it ain't good, right? Here's what Paul Tripp says. No one is more influential in your life than you because no one talks to you more than you. And he's talking about your thought life. Here's what he goes on to say. You're in an unending, incredibly important conversation with your soul every day. You talk to yourself about your past, your future, your present. You talk, you may, you may be talking to yourself about why you feel tired or why you woke up this morning with a sense of dread. Perhaps you're lamenting how much you've overcommitted your schedule to other people. Maybe your mind is traveling back to your past or maybe for reasons you don't understand, you're recalling events from your childhood. Obviously, this is all an internal conversation, but that's why it's so dangerous because you don't even realize that you're saying things to yourself, but you are. And what you say to yourself will shape your desires and actions and theology and your feelings. Y'all know what it's like to be in your own mind, your own head? And so here's what the Hebrews did. They talked back to themselves. Soul, what's going on? Soul, why are you downcast? Soul, hope in God. So why did you just say that? So did you mean this this way? So did you really feel that soul? You need to go back and, and repair that. But here's the thing. We don't just speak internally to ourselves. How we speak needs to be informed by external truth outside of ourselves. Here's what Tim and Kathy Keller say. 
Here is how to work the gospel into one's own heart until it transforms. It happens through inward dialogue, speaking directly and forcefully to your own heart rather than just listening to it. Biblical meditation, unlike popular varieties, is not a relaxation technique for emptying your mind. Rather, it is one that fills it with truth using thought and memory to set your heart on fire. Now, now hold that thought. Keller is agreeing with Tripp that there is this internal dialogue, but what Keller, what the Keller say is, hey, when the dialogue happens, we are not to stay in a defensive posture, responding to the soul. We can take an active posture, taking thoughts captive under the submission of Christ. And what we do is we let truth about who God is shape what we say to our souls so that our souls will not forget the benefits of the Lord so that we will rightly bless the name of the one who does everything you see in this passage. You see how that works? This is what David is doing. He is fighting to not forget and fighting to bless the name of the Lord. Now, what does David say? It's external stuff. Guys, I want to make the case to you that a lot of what David says in this psalm is not original to David. David is using what Moses has written in the past about Yahweh to shape how David behaves and thinks and feels in the present. He is relying on an external source, the word of God to be the ultimate governor of truth. He is allowing by faith the living word of God embodied in the person and work of Jesus redefine how he views sin. Look at verse eight. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Do y'all know where that, where that comes from? It comes from Exodus. Exodus 34. In context, Israel has sinned. They've made the golden calf and God is about ready to obliterate them. And Moses as mediator goes before them and says, Lord, these are your people. You made promises to them that you will make them a big nation. Are you going to be the laughing stock of all the, the nations around us? That who is this God who can do a half job at delivering? Will you forget your name? And God says, no, I won't. You're right. I won't. And then Moses, says, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord says, I will. And here is what the Lord said. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And so God put Moses in a rock and hid him. And the Lord went by him, showing Moses only his back. And do you know what God was saying to Moses? What I just read to you. The Lord, the Lord. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, 
Here is what I want us to remember. That when we're tempted to forget and to not bless his name, we can go on the offensive and speak to our souls and say, soul, come here. This is your God. So I know you're afraid, but this is your God. So I know you're tormented, but this is your God. We can actually do this work. And here is what we're going to discover. For every fear, anxiety, or worst case scenario that can happen to you, Christian, there is a requisite and beautiful truth about God that aligns with it. So back in 2008, Apple came out with the iPhone, iPhone 3G, and it launched what we now know as the App Store. And here's a commercial that Apple put together about the App Store. If you want to check the snow conditions on a mountain, there's an app for that. If you want to check where you parked your car at, there's an app for that. If you want to know how far you've gone on your bike, there's an app for that. If you want to know where the best fried chicken is, right, there's an app for that. And here's what they say. There's an app for just about anything you need, only on iPhone. It's genius, right? Because here is what they're telling you. If you have a need, we have the supply. All you need is the app on your phone. I'm here to tell you that Psalm 103 is like that. What needs you got? And you know what God says to you? I got an app for that. And it's not a real app on a phone. It is something about his character, something about his likeness that he says, bring your fear, bring your anxiety, bring your frustration. And I promise you, there is something about me that will make that pale in comparison. Now, here's the question. Are you here this morning and are you plagued by your sin? There's a God who deals with sin. Psalm 103 says the Lord forgives all of your iniquity. You can look at your neighbor and you can say all, all of it. Not one will be unpardoned if you're in Christ. Why? Because he is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. How many of you have watched Zootopia? Raise your hand. I want to see this. How many of you have not watched Zootopia? All right. Y'all got homework today. If you have not seen Zootopia, you got homework. All right. My favorite character is a guy named uh, Flash. And Flash drives fast and that's the only thing fast that flash does because flash is a sloth and so flash is working at the records office and so you got a bunny and a fox coming in to get records and it's the next day before flash can get everything typed right flash talks and you're just like biting at the bit come on brother get it out get it out get it out right he does everything slow except drive his car. When you read Psalm 103, 
You know what it says about God and his patience? He's like Flash, the sloth. He is slow to get angry because he is abounding in steadfast love. Are you worried about your sins? That we believe that on a cross in the Middle East, the second person of the Trinity came to this earth and lived a perfect life, and then he went to a real place with a real zip code in real time in history, and he says, Daddy, I know you're separating their sins from the East is to the West, but for you to be just and the justifier, you got to summon all of those sins from the East and from the West and from the North and from the South and from the past and from the present and from the future, and you have to put them on me and what Jesus says is I'm here I've come to do your will I've come to take the wrath of God upon me and so Jesus can say to us as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is God's steadfast love towards you Christian God is saying let me redefine how you view sin and not you. And when God disciplines you, he says he will not do this forever. He's a father and he's compassionate. And he know when is enough. Are you plagued by disease? Look at the Psalm. It says that the Lord will heal all diseases. And I know some people want to take this and run with it like Christians can't get sick. And if we see people dying, then maybe the Lord is not truthful. Let me let me let me weigh into that just a little bit. Here's what we know. Jesus came. He healed the blind, raised the dead, gave sight, gave sight to the blind, gave hearing to the deaf. He healed leprosy. He came as a savior who cares about disease and cares about affliction. And here's what we know. I know for a fact that some of you in this room were not supposed to be able to conceive. And God showed up. And some of you had cancer. And people prayed for you. And it went away. And some of you have had COVID and it, 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 it should have been and could have been fatal. And God were, was merciful and kind to you. Don't you dare believe that God is powerless over anything that you see happening on this world. And we also believe that there is coming a day when tears will be in a museum and cancer will be canceled and there will be nothing that can torment God's people. And if God chooses to allow us to die to something here, if we're in him, we awaken to a healing that is far better. God is not untruthful when he makes the promise that he will heal all diseases. Are you plagued by death? He has overcome it. Are you plagued by your children and your children's children and where they are? Look at the text. It says that he 
remembers that He keeps covenant, that He, His righteousness goes through our children and their children. Not all of you in this room have been in the church your entire life. There's a lot of you who strayed away, a lot of you who rejected His name, but here you stand right here and now, and that's because Grandmama Nim and Granddaddy Nim and Mama Nim and Daddy Nim, that God has been faithful to them by being faithful to you. And so parents, if you're in the throes of parenting and you're experiencing rebellion, here's what we do. We fall on our knees and we pray to our God and we pray these promises of God back to God and we wait in hope to see God be God and be faithful to our children. This psalm reminds us, y'all, that whatever it is that, that is ailing, whatever it is that afflicts us, whatever it is that tempts us to forget and not give him praise, that he is worthy. And the good news, beloved, is that Jesus does not simply save you and say, okay, now it's up to you alone. Remember, it's up to you alone. Forget not my benefits. It's up to you alone to bless me. No, Jesus says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. And my Holy Spirit is going to help you to remember all those things that I'm revealing to you about myself in my word. What's the blessing of blessing and remembering God? I think we live as God designed us to live. But I also think this is what God uses to do what he promises right there in verse 5. As we remember, as we speak to our souls, as we rehearse God's word and God's truth, you know what God's going to do? He's going to satisfy you with himself. All of a sudden, he gets big again. And he's going to renew your youth, renew your strength, renew your spiritual vigor. And you won't be given over to some of these things. I think that's God's promise. One scholar says that that language there, that your youth is renewed like the eagles, that we think it's taken from this idea of eagles, that as they get old, their feathers get heavy. And they become less agile hunters because of oil because of dirt and grime. And what they do is they molt and they'll pluck out a feather or two here, a feather or two there. And then these new feathers will grow in. And now they're light and they're agile again. And they're flying. That if this is what's going on there, then what God is saying, that one of the ways that God will renew your strength and allow you and I to be agile in the spiritual life, it's to go through these disciplines of talking to our souls and rehearsing God's truth so that God himself might become big and large again, so that we might be mindful that he is bigger than what we see, that we might bow the knee and praise his name. And when we pray, his name he becomes large and looms large and all of a sudden those things over there that we're worried about sin and death and destruction they pale in comparison to the one who is the author of life and the redeemer of souls that's 
how I think we fight to remember and bless his name. Let's pray. Father, I pray your word over your people. And Father, I pray that you will make us a people that do not forget your manifold benefits. Sin, death, destruction, children, disease, being forgotten. Father, you are a God and you say that all of that is nothing to you that you will raise us from the dead, that you will look after our children, that you will heal our disease, that you will pardon our sin. You do this in Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that we will lean more into him, into his life, and to all that he's done for us. And, Father, I pray for those here who don't want to bless you, who aren't mindful of your benefits. May today be a day, Lord, where they see how massive and beautiful you are, And may they too join in the company of saints who bow the knee to the Messiah from Nazareth. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn.